Let us begin with prayer. Gracious Lord, as we have gathered today to celebrate the Reformation, we know that the true cause of the restoration of the good news of salvation in Christ was not a man, but your word. Help us to cling to your word and proclaim it as he did to your glory so that we might be lights in the world enshrouded by the darkness of ignorance and the devil's lies. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Psalm 119 verses 97 through 104. How I love your laws. I meditate on them all day long. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies because it is always with me. I have more wisdom than all my teachers because your testimonies are my meditation. I have more understanding than the elders because I guard your precepts. I have kept my feet off every evil path in order to keep your words. I have not turned from your judgments because you yourself have instructed me. How sweet are your sayings to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I gain understanding. Therefore, I hate every false road. This is the word of our Lord. It was a dark time. The world, when it came to theology, was kept in ignorance. You see, the official translation of the church was translated 1,200 years earlier from the Greek and Hebrew language into the Latin language. And so, unless you had a higher education, college and higher, you didn't even understand what was being spoken in the church. If you did have that higher education, Stop and think about this. You are taking a translation that's not your language from a translation that's not your language and you still have to translate it into, in your head, into your own language. Have you ever played telephone where kids sit down and one kid whispers a message into the other kid's ear and you don't have to get through too many kids, it does not come back the same message at all. And in fact, the ignorance often was intentional. The if you didn't understand that word, what you did know was there was an authority in the church and you were to listen to what they say. The problem was that authority, most of the people who got into the positions of higher authority, they bought their way into them. Love for the word of God had nothing to do with it. And so if you were a lay person who was not highly educated, what you had were traditions. And there were a lot of things that happened in, in the church that in those traditions, you may not have even known what the original meanings were. Then you had symbols. And those symbols, if you'd forgotten what they meant, then they didn't mean anything. But you also had symbols with other symbols added to them to help people who didn't even know what their meanings were. And so lots of times the best a layperson had was to look at the Bible scenes in stained glass windows and kind of take a guess at what was going on. A man had become a monk and his higher ups had kind of forced him in a way, if you will, not physically, uh, to become a professor. And originally he would have worked in that Latin translation, but he loved to study the word of God. And on his own, he learned the Hebrew and the Greek language of the Bible. And it was because of that that the lay people were told that you did not go to heaven if you died immediately. Only those who had lived in monasteries and were holy enough went right to heaven. You had the comfort of knowing you were going to live in a hell-like atmosphere. And to this day, they haven't said how many years. It's not a year. In fact, it's whether it's hundreds or thousands of years you spend in purgatory for every sin that you had not paid for. 
And you could buy some of that with indulgences. And a man who studied the word of God said, let's debate this. And even then he'd had to go running afterwards to study the word of God to find out. But it was studying that word that changed the world because then he said, let's translate this so the average person can understand it. In our sermon text today, our theme is blessings flow from loving to study God's word because that is truly what caused the Reformation. Our text begins, literally, if we translate the Hebrew how, language, how very much I love your teaching. Now, you'll notice it, it, in our translation, it said, how I love your laws. But the Hebrew word that's used is Torah. If you've ever watched Jewish movies like Fiddler on the Roof or, or have had Jewish friends, you know when they talk about the Torah, they're not talking about law like the Ten Commandments. They're talking about the Bible. In fact, as he says, I love your Torah, the, all the Old Testament hasn't even been written yet. But he loves to study that. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is it isn't just sit there and, and get those Ten Commandments into your head. Because the instructions of the Lord, the teachings also included the coming Savior. That God would take on human flesh and he would do all the work for saving us. As Jesus points out in his conversation to Nicodemus, it's by faith in the fact that Jesus did all the work to save us that we're actually saved. And he actually supplies that faith. He sends somebody with the word and that, uh, to show us the law, to show us we need a savior. And then he shows usually that same person to tell us God became a man and he saved us. And then God the Father and God the Son send the Holy Spirit into our heart to create the faith in that very word. So he says, it is my thoughtful contemplation all day long. Now, it's right to translate that as meditation. But sadly, in America today, the New Age movement influenced by, by Eastern mysticism, when somebody thinks of meditation, what they think of would be like opening up the Bible, picking a word. As ridiculous as it is, you could pick a word like the and think, T-H-E, T-H-E. See the pictures in your head and sit there for hours, clearing your mind, only thinking of the and not once getting anything out of the word of God. A thoughtful contemplation is hearing the word and thinking about how it applies to your life, applying the law and the good news of salvation in Christ and and then even applying it to your neighbor's life. Oh, my neighbor's struggling. I need to go and tell them they have a savior and how God is using this for their good. So blessings flow from loving to study God's word. It creates the love to study that word, the love for God and everything, because it gives the faith. And then whenever you're studying that word, it strengthens the faith. And thereby, it ends up giving you the love for your fellow man, but even for the word, so that you keep coming back to it. The more you're in the word, the more you go, I thirst. This is a wonderful thirst. Our text continues. Your commandments keep on making me wiser than my enemies. Now, literally, if we translate the Hebrew, it's for forever for me. So we can translate that for it's a benefit forever for me, or we can say for it belongs to me forever. It comes out the same in the wash. But you notice who are the enemies? Enemies are those who do not trust 100% in God for their salvation. And it's because they don't realize it, but they're enslaved by the devil. Turn on the news today, turn on uh, a television, you will find Hollywood celebrities, political pundits, etc., who see Christians as a bunch of, of hypocrites who just scream out laws and ignore everything. But, you know, sometimes we Christians, we, we've earned that because we're not really studying the word of God. 
But other times, it's a ridiculous straw man. He's wiser than his enemies because God's Ten Commandments do tell us this is love for God, and out of that love for God flows love for our fellow man. And so there are benefits that we have that our enemies, those who do not love God, will never have because their motivation is totally different. We have that motivation of God's love put in our hearts. He continues, I have more insight than all my teachers for your testimonies are my thoughtful contemplation. How could you, be, how could you have more insight than your teachers? If we look at the teachers of Jesus's time, they exempted themselves from the law, like the Sanhedrin saying, let's murder this guy while condemning others for murder. Uh, and, they, and they were very hypocritical and, and, they, and pharisaical in how they applied it. A good example of that is Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. After Jesus explains all of salvation, lays it out before him, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And with an indignation, Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher and you don't know these things? You know, and it's no different today. There was the church that they were trying to reform because it had strayed big time from the word of God. But there were those who came in riding on Luther's coattails and they changed salvation. To them, it became Jesus has taken care of some of the heavier stuff for salvation. But they don't even realize lots of times they still teach. But you've got to earn it because you have to make your decision or you have to act holiness, holy enough, etc. Have more insight than your teachers is to recognize we can't keep the law. We're not holy. This is why God became a man for us. So those legal provisions of the law also are something they contemplate. We recognize first, oh, I can't do this. Then we also recognize we're going to get in that in a minute. It impacts our life of sanctification. He says in verse 100, I keep on behaving with more discernment than elders, for I guard your precepts. Now, we normally translate that as understanding, but the Hebrew word for discernment there, it actually means being able to discern between the two, being able to discern the law from the good news of salvation in Christ that he's done all the work, the gospel, being able because the devil lies and this world has been subject to his life, being able to discern God's truth from the lies of this world, being able to discern Christ's work and, and the place of our good works, which we're going to get into in a minute, versus the work righteous lie that is built into our sinful nature, being able to discern what is holy and unholy, what is God pleasing and what is disgusting to God. And so blessings flow from loving to study God's word. It creates the love because it gives and it strengthens the faith. And then it gives true wisdom, insight, and discernment. The psalmist continues, I have restrained my feet from every evil path so that I may keep on observing your word. I have not turned from your judgments for you yourself have instructed me. When God sends somebody to tell you the law or the gospel, that's God using them as his mouthpiece, even if it's a child. And Martin Luther wanted you to have this instruction, and so he started translating the word into the people's language, trying to make it available to them. So when you do a devotion or a meditation or you're reading the Bible, that is also God teaching you. Now, a lot of people get confused. They think you have to be perfectly holy before you can come to church. 
If you don't believe me, ask some of your co-workers who don't go to church. Just invite them. Hey, do you want to come to the Christmas Eve service with me? Hey, you want to come to Reformation service? You want to just come on Sunday with me? And you'll often hear their excuses boil down to, I'm not holy enough. That's putting the cart before the horse. God has to make you holy first because you and I have a sinful nature. He has to give us the faith first. But then he says, this is a believer talking, I've restrained my feet from every evil path so that I may keep on observing your word. And there is the big thing. Once God gives you faith, that law changes. That law still condemns you, but, but you say, how can I thank you? And God says, don't forfeit your salvation. Because if we, if we love a sin and we embrace it and we cling to it, we can drive the Holy Spirit out of our heart because he is holy. That's why I often say in my sermons, if you let a sin have an equal place in your heart or higher place than God, you will lose your faith. So he says that I have restrained my feet from every evil path so that I may keep on observing your word. For the sad thing is we start stepping a little bit this way and a little bit more. And one day we're not in the word at all. And we're, we're doing what we want, not what God wants. But it's being attached to Christ with that new man in that mystical union that God grows the fruits out of us. The fruits that we call good works. If you want to know what a good work is, it's not buying an indulgence, as Luther would point out, for example. Man-made rules. It is human. It is God's Ten Commandments. And they say, this is how you thank me. But we can't do that on our own. We have to have the faith. We have to have the forgiveness of sins first. And then we still have that sinful nature attached to it. So God washes it away. So our motivation is actually having the new man. Apart from that, we can't even do that. So when we teach this to catechism students, I call it law as a guide. It's first you're saved, then you, because you love God and love your fellow man, the law now shows you how you can return thanks, but it still doesn't empower you. It has to be that you're saved, that you're connected to Christ. Too many other people, they get confused even in Christianity and they make your salvation depend on your life of sanctification and don't even realize you're earning it. So blessings flow from loving to study God's word. It creates the love by giving and strengthening the faith. It gives wisdom, insight and discernment and it gives a life of sanctification. Our text continues. How very much sweeter your declaration is to my palate than honey to my mouth. I keep on gaining discernment from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every false path. Your and my sinful nature does not think God's word is wonderful and sweet tasting. First of all, it thinks that when, it, when you hear the word of God, especially with that lost thing, you're not holy. The sinful nature says, how dare you? And it says, that, that's, that's, that's not freedom, that's enslavement. And so it, and when you do come to the word and the law exposes the tricks of your sinful nature, your sinful nature is taking a beating. He, that, that, that Mr. Hyde, if you will, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, the new man's sinful nature, he hates hearing God's word. And he'll even lie to you with excuses like, oh, it's so, it's so boring. We couldn't even possibly study it on our own. It's just too boring. But that's not what the psalmist here says. With the new man, the new man says, oh, this is God showing me where I'm going down the wrong path so that I stop going down that path. Oh, this is God showing me that my sins are forgiven. Oh, I love it. I'm able to study it and it tastes so sweet because now I can apply it in my life. Oh, I sinned again. What am I to do? Oh, the 
blood of Christ is there. My neighbor is hurting. Let me heal them with the blood of Christ using God's word. It suddenly becomes sweet. It's the truth. This world has been subject to the devil's lie. It doesn't see it as truth. It says you earn your salvation. You butter up God. And the devil wants you to think that God's word is slavery. He doesn't want you to know that the real slavery is you're enslaved to him and you're going to hell until God gives you that faith and sets you free. The psalmist says, therefore, I hate every false path. Suddenly recognize, oh, this is poison. I thought this was good. It isn't. God's word with the, with the law that, that exposes my sin, but the good news of salvation in Christ, and then the motivation he gives me to stay on the right path, it makes me hate every false path. So it makes the truth taste sweet. Martin Luther grew to love the study of the word of God, and he knew this would change the world. He made it available so lay people could even teach it at home, even made guides like the small catechism and the teacher's guide, the large catechism, so parents could, who were not highly educated could teach it to their children in their own language. You have those same things. Blessings flow from loving to study God's word. It creates the love uh, for studying it because it gives the faith and then it strengthens the faith. It gives true wisdom, insight, and understanding, discernment. It gives a life of sanctification and it makes the truth, which is God's word, taste sweet, sweeter than honey. Amen. Now love the teaching of God's word and grow in the knowledge that it gives you in wisdom, insight, and understanding. Amen.